Hey, you're listening to The Weekly Bakay, hosted by Toby, Jasmine, and Sophie. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Weekly Bakay. It's Toby. This is Jasmine. This week, we don't have Sophie because she is busy doing recruitment for her sorority. We miss her dearly, but as we all know, as young moguls, the show must go on, even <laughs> if two-thirds of us are here. Yes. Um, so to get started, I'm sure you guys know that I was long anticipating Drake's tour. It just kicked off last week here in Kansas City. Um, so a little backstory on that. We Kansas City personally got rescheduled twice. Um, I was originally supposed to see him on Tuesday, July the 31st, and then some production issues came up and got and it got rescheduled to like August the 10th and then he was in Kansas City for an entire week and then the night like the morning of August the 10th he rescheduled it again to August the 12th and you guys know me I'm a huge Drake stan I was I was not I was very very upset um but it was it was worth the wait it was like the show was everything and more that I could have ever wanted um Migo started off and I the presence of Migos, like I don't know what I was expecting because I definitely saw them last summer. Um, but Migos just has a presence a presence on stage that's very you know they're really lit. Their their music is really hype and their energy is insane. But they have a way of presenting themselves on stage that's very like boss, very suave. You know they they hold themselves together really well. So the energy was amazing. And then of course Champagne Poppy himself um, came on stage and. He delivered. I, I expected a lot since he had to reschedule on us twice. So he did. He opened up with a lot of songs off of Scorpion. And then he did a little like he did. He like did a little throwback to, to the last 10 years and like performed a lot of like the old songs. Um, and then, of course, you know, the every the theatrics of the set was amazing. The creative. I want to know the creative direction behind the stage design because it was executed so well. I've just, every Drake concert that I've ever gone to, you know, I have to give him his props for, um, for always delivering for all, every show gets better. I've gone to every show that he's ever gone to, that he's ever like come to in Kansas City and every time gets better. And you can tell that, you can tell that his, his like performances and his tours evolve along with his like success in his music. Um, he, of course he was like super corny and like had a, had like a floating, I'm sure you guys have seen it on social media now, but he had like a floating yellow Ferrari just like going around um, the arena and he, yeah, he was amazing. They did, they did like a couple songs together. They only did Walk It, Talk It and Versace together, but we've never seen Versace in concert because it's just like at the time that that song dropped, they, you know, he's never, neither, neither of them were on tour. So that was like the first time Versace was really ever performed and it was amazing. Um, yeah, I think I I was personally moved. I'm sure you guys weren't surprised. I could not get myself to stop crying, um, but not like hysterical crying. It was more just like tears streaming down my face. I just like couldn't believe that I was there. I was happy I was finally there. Uh, I it was more than everything I could have expected. And it's funny because like this stranger that was sitting next to me in the middle of the show, she was like, "I don't know um, if anyone's ever told you this, but I'm having so much fun just because I'm watching you." Because I just could not stop dancing. I could not stop singing. I, I couldn't stop crying. It was just all the emotions I could have ever expected. I mean, I'm sure you guys aren't surprised. You guys know how I feel about Drake. Um, but the tour was amazing. And, 
It definitely was a great start in Kansas City. Of course, I was a little salty because when they got to Detroit for, like, the second show, he performed sicko mode and for, like, the first time. And, and that's something that I that he didn't do in Kansas City. But it's fine. You know, we plan – I do plan on going to a Travis Scott tour. So, hopefully, you know, we can get a surprise duo performance with them. Um, but overall, if you guys haven't gotten tickets to Aubrey and the Three Ghosts, please go and get them. It was amazing and epic and everything I could have wanted. And it was worth the wait, worth all the rescheduling issues. Um, he delivered. And yeah, like, I'm, I mean, I'm, what did you guys expect? You know? <laughs> yeah, I feel like we expected you to love it as much as you did. And honestly, I'm just happy that he didn't reschedule again and you finally got to go. But I guess the one question I have for you before we move on is what was your favorite song from both performers that they performed at the Kansas City show? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, so I have to say, so for Migos, my favorite was Narcos. Like, I don't know what it is about that song, but I I think I just love like I know it's a very like, you know, like trap song and like it's all about like, you know, it's all about drugs and stuff, but it's just the way that they delivered it and the way that they performed it again, it just like, you know, it's, it, it was, it just reiterated like the boss of Migos and, you know, they're, they were so suave on stage and just so, I don't know how to explain it. Just the way that they, the way that they performed it and they hold themselves together and just like, um, you know, like the message of Narcos was really dope. I, and then for Drake, I think my favorite had to have been, um, he did, he did, a, okay, so one, he did a cover of a Michael Jackson song after he performed um, Don't Matter to Me, which, again, brought the tears back. But I think, I think my favorite, oh, that's hard. My, okay, so my two favorite from Drake were, was In My Feelings, because he had backup dancers, and, like, the stage turned into, like, an iPhone X and just, like, showed all of, like, the, uh, it showed all of, like, the dances and stuff that people have done like all of like the in my feelings challenge dances and then yeah it was really cool he finished the the tour so he finished the show and this is where my tears came back again he finished the tour by showing a video of um like of like when thank me later like went platinum and like and it showed him as like drake 10 years ago like this little baby like aubrey crying and like he couldn't believe his success and then he finished it after he played that video he finished it with god's plan and I think um, I think he was just like paying homage to like his fans and like paying homage to his career. Like we're here, and like it just it like it like reiterated how far we've come, and like how far his career has come and how much he's evolved. And it was just I think I think that performance really stuck with me because you know it, it was really nostalgic. And it was re- and it just reiterated why I love Drake. Like why my my passion for him is so strong because um, mm-hmm. just like seeing him evolve and grow as a performer and as an artist is something I'm really proud of uh, just because, mm-hmm. you know, he had a lot of doubts, a lot of haters. And so, you know, here he is, you know, God's plan. He's here and he's at the top and it's the champagne poppy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's dope. And I think from what it sounds like, I'm glad that he brought the theatrics and the stage performance and everything. And I'm glad that he gave all of you guys a show that you were 
worth waiting for Mm -hmm. but before we get started talking about queen quick disclaimer for you listeners we're recording remotely for the first time ever so in case you notice that we're not talking over each other as much as usual or things start to break up a little bit just know it's because we can't see each other yeah so this is practice for when i jet off in a month or so so bear with us yes please also another disclaimer um i have I'm sitting in my living room, like, close to the router to ensure, like, good sound quality. So, if you guys hear my dogs pop off, I'm so sorry. Like, these motherfuckers are crazy. Like, I have a guard dog, like, no one understands. And, like, the slightest movement outside, she's on it. So, just, like, just disregard them. Like, I I don't know how we'll edit that out. If we can, we will. If we don't, I'm so sorry. But just disregard the dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you. Okay, now moving on to Queen. Nicki Minaj finally released her much-awaited album, and I know there's been a lot of talk about it in the airways and then just the media surrounding it, but before we get into, I guess, our favorite songs, etc., Jasmine, what did you think about the album overall? Um, overall, I think the album, I, I, I'll be completely honest, I haven't, like, I listened to it through all the way, but I... Um, I've just been so distracted with like, you know, Drake, I'm still hung up on like Astroworld and stuff. So my analysis of albums has kind of been skewed. Um, Overall, I really liked the album. Um, I know there was a lot of mixed reviews on like social media and stuff, just because I I know Nikki's been throwing a lot of shade lately. And I I and like, especially in the album, that's something that's been addressed in the media and like in the critics and the reviews is the shade she's been throwing. Um, I think that just stems from the fact that you know, this album was so long awaited. A lot of people were having a lot of doubts about her. You know, people were making lots of remarks and like questioning her career and her credibility. So I think, you know, she really tried to use this album to reiterate like her boss bitch, like female rapper, you know, take me seriously type in the game. Um, you know, there was shade thrown at like Drake and DJ Khaled. Um, there's now accusations about her not writing her own music. And regardless of whatever you believe, you know, I I really think that, this album for her for her true stands and for her you know for her supporters like I think she really delivered and um I know for me like my uh, there were a lot of great features you know I'm, I was glad to see Lil Wayne um in on the mix always happy to see Future I know she's going on tour with Future next month um and so overall it, it was a good album the songs that I liked um were Rich Sex which features Lil Wayne um I like the song Bed that uh, it was like the single that's off the album that features Ariana. Um, Come See About Me is another one of my favorites. And then So Is Sir, the song uh, featuring Future. And I, I think like a synonymous theme with like all of my favorites is just, you know, uh, especially with like Rich Sex and Sir, it kind of it like reestablishes like, yes, I am a female. Like both of those songs kind of like what they resonated with me was like, it's like, yes, she's a female in a male dominated world but like you cannot undermine her talent her power to the masses you know her fan base her work um i love i love to come see about me just because uh, i love like nikki has a really great singing voice um so a lot of like her music where she where she does like the more sentier songs where she is doing more singing i loved and you know and obviously bed which is a fun flirty sexy song with um ariana uh what about you tobes So I really liked, we had completely different favorites. And for me, I think a lot of it when it comes to rap, maybe I want to say 40% of why I like it so much, this other 60% just being rap culture and then just 
the emotion that comes behind rap in general would have to be the instrumental. So I need a banging instrumental and I need something that's going to like make me get off my feet. And for me, the three songs that stood out to me were Fifi, LLC in Miami. And then obviously Fifi came out early this summer with 6ix9ine. And I know not everyone is a huge fan of 6ix9ine, but this was probably one of Nicki's most popular featured songs from this whole year, other than when Motorsport came out at the end of last year or whenever it did. And I just think it's interesting because she's dropped so many different bodies of work. She dropped Bed, she dropped Rich Sex and everything. But at the end of the day, it's like Fifi was one of the most popular songs from this summer. And in my opinion, it was one of her best features of this summer, even putting her whole album into consideration. But that's just my opinion. I think that she delivered in terms of the verses and really coming back to say like, hey, this is my story. Like, I've been quiet for quite some time and you've had other people on the come up recently and you had other female rappers kind of in this space, you know, obviously with Cardi B and obviously with like Kamaya and then even up and comers like Rico Nasty and then finally Nikki came out with her album. But yeah, those three stood out for me. It's hard because I feel like with Nikki, I'm always still kind of stuck in the... Here we go. Oh, no. Yes, I know. What just happened? They're just, they're, there's just someone outside. I told y'all. I'm just so drunk on. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. Yeah, this is the most this, organic this, podcast yeah, you will hear. Yeah, go ahead, Tobes. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to say that um, I will forever just be such a huge fan of, like, Pink Friday and the pink print. I'm just stuck in those pink days. But I will always still, like, support Nikki and when she comes out with new music and et cetera. But when it comes to what's my favorite song from her, always just those, like, throwbacks from when we were in high school and even middle school, that type of sound. But great job Nikki I mean she dropped a highly anticipated album it'll be interesting to see its breath and then how she performs when she does take this out on tour and then moving on to some other albums that dropped this week as we're recording this now of course like maybe eight hours earlier like Ariana Grande and Young Thug both dropped their projects but I'll leave that to Jasmine and Sophie to take over for next week when I'm MIA but in terms of what else dropped this past week, we have Life's a Trip by Trippy Red and then a surprise album from Amine dubbed 1.5. In terms of Life's a Trip, I'm not a huge Trippy Red fan like in terms of listening to the music on my own. But he did have some dope features including Diplo, Thugga, Reese LaFlair, and then Travis Scott. I did give the album a full listen and I do appreciate his sound and he's featured on one of my favorite songs from the summer with um, Jump by Julia Michael. So I have to give him cred there. But when it comes to favorite songs that I think you should listen to Jasmine and Sophie and all you listeners who haven't had the chance to listen to the album yet, I would definitely say Shake It Up and Wish and Shake It Up is one of my brother's favorites as well. So, you know, I guess that's what's popping in those, the young and the young people's minds yeah. these days. <laughs> And then moving on to 1.5 from Amine. I love Amine. I've been a fan. Definitely one of my favorite up-and-coming rappers. Well, I guess he's not up-and-coming anymore, but he's been around for, I guess, the past two, three years. Um, Yeah, this is his second full-length album. And then in terms of features, he had Gunna, G Herbo, and Rico Nasty. And I know I talked about her a little bit earlier in terms of up-and-coming definitely a different sound from his previous album it's definitely a lot more laid back and I would say a little less saturated of course like he rose to fame with like Caroline and then uh, he had Spice Girls and all these other um, like Wedding Crashers these very poppy but pop friendly 
rap and hip hop, but like I don't know how else to explain it other than that's like saturated and kind of sweet. But this was definitely a little bit more like laid back, like chill vibes. But I did very much like it. And he did have those big instrumentals that I was talking about that will get you on your feet, even though this was a more laid back, subdued album. So in terms of songs, I would definitely recommend for you to listen. If you want to get a full kind of view of the album, I would say Blackjack, Chingy, Can't You, and then Ratchet, Saturn Girl. And I guess that's about it for now. But like we said, I know there's tons of new music that's been coming out and we'll definitely make sure to touch on them in the upcoming episodes. And pause, if you haven't listened to our episode from last week in which we had our friend Kirsten come on and talk about Astral World, you definitely need to do that, especially with Travis announcing his upcoming Astral World tour. But we'll get into that, I'm sure, in the weeks to come. Moving on to something we've been very excited to talk about. Sorry for the long wait. (laughs) <laughs> to talk about the September issues and of course we'll start off by talking about the importance of the September issue in fashion so Jasmine do you want to take the reins yes um so for a lot of you that probably don't know the month of September is really important in the fashion industry just for the simple fact that September is when um like it, it's a very transitional period in the fashion world where we kind of will start seeing um we'll start seeing like the the new trends that are coming out, the new artistry, the new visions that um, designers and fashion houses are spent, are going to be showcasing for the most part, you know, these top houses are going to start showing off like the trends and like um, the ideas that are going to be, that we're going to start seeing more, you know, um, as like consumer, like for like consumers when it comes to like that, like the clothes that we have like closer access to, this is like the time in fashion where people are just showcasing the new ideas and the new movements Um, of where fashion is headed towards yeah definitely for ready to wear because we've seen obviously early in the summer most people have already kind of shown out their fall winter 18 we're even seeing their spring summer 19 collections but in terms of editorial this is more of like from historic standpoint like september has always kind of been the pinnacle when it comes to editorial fashion that's why it's even a bigger deal that so many faces black faces are taking over <laughs> well you know what i mean by black faces yeah i should have yes. to say but <laughs> so many amazing Black, talented, creative faces are taking over the September issue stands all over the nation and technically worldwide. And of course, we're going to start things off by talking about Beyonce taking over the September issue and all the buzz and everything, just the historic importance behind it. But also want to give a quick shout out to all the other people that are taking over the September issues across stands. We have Rihanna for British Vogue. We have Zendaya and we also have Kanye and Issa Rae and Tracy Ellis Ross and these are just a few to name I'm pretty sure I've seen collages of about eight or nine total black people taking over the September covers but these are definitely some of the biggest of course because of Harper's Bazaar and Marie Claire etc cetera, etc cetera. but like I said we do have a lot to cover from all these different ones so we'll get things started off by talking about Beyonce and of course we talked about this a little bit earlier me and Jasmine before we hopped on the phone but there's been a lot of buzz about oh like was Beyonce given complete creative control and that Vogue kind of stepped back. But at the end of the day, Vogue allowed Beyonce to have this humongous creative outlet. Of course, at the end of the day, they're going to still have their hand on it, but they did very much let her kind of take that creative control and they gave her a team that was able to do that. But I think that's different from what people are thinking that like it was a completely Beyonce run show. And of course she had Tyler Mitchell, 23 year old black photographer 
who has done work with Vogue previously, but this is the first time that a young Black photographer is actually shooting the September issue of Vogue. So it's hugely monumental for his career and not only for him, but for Black creatives to come. And this is just another example of Beyonce kind of not building a higher fence, but building a longer table as my mentor Buku is going to hop on the podcast later is going to talk about a little But This is definitely a huge moment for him as well. And this is going to take his career to new heights. And even though he's done some pretty reputable work in the past, this is huge, just a huge, huge, huge move for black creatives and just the black community in general. But I'll quiet my rant for a little bit and let Jasmine kind of take it away and talk about her favorite takeaways from Beyonce's cover story. Yes. Um, so first and foremost, we have to address, you know, of course, Queen Beyonce, always wearing designer. She was seen wearing Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Dior, just to name a few um, huge names in her wardrobe. Um, I think for me, one of like the really most important takeaways was her idea of um, her. She, you know, she was really open about her pregnancy and it, and like the struggles that she dealt with. Um, in her in her pregnancy and like her her like deliver her delivery and like labor story um and just like body acceptance so she was you know she Beyonce's Beyonce and Daisy have always been known to be very private and so for her to share such a raw vulnerable story um I think you know means a lot not only to fans but like what it could mean you know to society and the public in general and so she was she was very open with the fact that when she delivered the twins, she was 218 pounds. It was a really, from my understanding of the, my understanding of the, of like the article, it was a really scary delivery. You know, she had to do an emergency C-section. They spent, they spent a lot of time in the NICU. Um, you know, she gives, she gives shout outs to Daisy for being a great husband, best friend, supporter, just a great support system through that time. Um, you know, and as an entertainer, I know there's probably a lot of pressure to, you know, for your body to be snapped at all times and to always bounce back you know we always see in the media you know women these women of you know high hierarchy in you know in society and and in the pop culture world they're expected you know to literally have a baby and then be back to normal within a within a week and I and I love that Beyonce was just so she was very open about the fact that her body was fuller, you know, her curves were fuller. She, she didn't, she doesn't look like the way that she used to, but she took the time to accept her body and to let it heal and to let it, and to let it, um, you know, to let it go back to what it, what, like, and to let it just run its course. Um, and, you know, she was really gentle with herself. And, and I think that's something that we as a society need to have, need to hear, because I know there's a lot of pressure with this like standard of beauty. You have to look a certain way. You have to bounce back within a certain time. You know, everybody, everyone, especially with women, there's a, there's a standard to uphold uh, when it comes to how you look. And, you know, she, she mentioned how after giving birth, she gave herself time to recover. You know, she, she went on, you know, she went vegan for a while to get her body back, but she was still patient and still giving herself time. And, and I think as women, that's important, you know, first of all, her body created three human lives. And that in itself is amazing. Three healthy, beautiful human lives, you know, that she's so thankful for. And um, I know as and as women, like it's with how our body images are portrayed in the media, there's all, there's all this pressure to be, you know, a certain weight and to look a certain way. And and it's so and I love that she's like, it's OK to not look that way or it's OK you know, as, as you grow as a woman, as your body evolves into, into what it's supposed to be, you know, she, she mentions her, 
her her curves are fuller her thighs are fuller her shoulders are fuller but she loves every bit of it you know her husband loves every bit of it she re- she remembers what her body endured to bring these beautiful healthy lives into the world and so you know i think it's important um you know to reiterate that everybody is beautiful and i know that's so cliche to say um and it's so and it said so much that people kind of just people kind of sleep under the rug but it's so true you know everybody everybody is beautiful and every human body is unique and it and it does and it you know it's capable of something that another human body isn't capable of and you know she really wanted to reiterate the the appreciation of natural beauty and her natural body you know in, in this photo shoot she you know she didn't wear her wigs no hair extensions very little makeup just like raw authentic Beyonce and like and without without all of those you know extra fluff like the hair extensions and like the makeup and stuff like you look at that cover you look at those photos and you still see the beauty and the power um, of Beyonce like the visual communication from those photos is so empowering and then you know to be able to look at those photos and to read her story and to read about how rare about rare how raw and authentic she is about what she's endured and how you know, she's and how she came to finally accept her body for what it is. It just it reiterates that, you know, we we need to accept diversity within the standard of beauty. And, you know, there is not one there's not one way that works for everybody. And that's okay. And, you know, for someone in the with for someone with the platform of Beyonce, with the power of Beyonce to really showcase that and to really be raw and open about that, I think it's so important, especially in a time now you know with how quick media is and how quick people are able you know to see their favorite celebrities and how they bounce back so fast like that's not the reality of it you know you got to take your time your body is what it is and you know if you're if you're healthy and alive and living and you're able to you're able to you know perform tasks every day like that's enough you know as long as you are taken care of and you are living that is enough and i and i love that you know she reiterated that in in this story I agree I think you hit on amazing points and everything from pregnancy to body acceptance and I know that we're going to talk about Rihanna's take on it a little bit more as well as some other things that she brought up but 100% agreed and then moving on to I guess what really stood out to me I would definitely have to say her conversations about just opening new doors for other creatives and just building a longer table like I talked about earlier as well as creative freedom and then especially this especially spoke to me because as someone going into a predominantly white and still predominantly male industry, even though it is streetwear and fashion, it's important that they're taking a chance on someone like me and someone who looks like me and that there are people like me who are designing the clothes and the footwear, et cetera, et cetera. And I think Beyonce does a great job of bringing this up that it's important to have that diversity in the workplace, especially when it comes to creative careers and just people that work in the creative space in general, whether that be music or fashion or art, because you're not going to be able to create outside of your scope unless you have people coming from all sorts of different shapes and sizes and backgrounds. And honestly, I've seen this firsthand and obviously Beyonce has seen this firsthand in her career. The best work is created when you have so many different minds coming together to create. And I think it's a lot easier to want to surround yourself with people who are like you 
But in order to really reach your creative potential, you have to surround yourself with people who come from different backgrounds from you and people who are kind of willing to see things through a different eye. Because I feel like a lot of people, and even in the past, I've questioned whether or not I was creative or my creative ability. But this is going to sound cliche. Everyone is creative in their own way because creativity is how you see the world around you through your own scope and through your own lens. So it's what you do with that lens that allows you to kind of elaborate on your creativity and bring that to life. And I think Beyonce is someone who not only does this herself, but has, and we cannot discredit her amazing teams and all these different people that she brings together, the Tyler Mitchells of the world and her choreographers behind her Coachella performance, or even the team at Balmain that came together with that collaboration that came after that was inspired by her Coachella pieces she's constantly bringing people surrounding people who are from different areas of culture high and low culture and people that come from all sorts of different musical and professional and fashion backgrounds to create these amazing stories and I think that's super important and I hope that other creatives in different industries also kind of follow suit with that and then in terms of herself and that kind of drive that she has for herself to kind of wake up and create and how she doesn't feel alive unless she's creating something. I can 100% relate to that. And I used to call myself a workaholic, but I'm not even sure if I like to use that term anymore. I just think I'm someone that constantly wants to kind of be reinventing the wheel and creating and not to broadcast it to the entire world, but just to kind of ensure that I'm continuing to grow. And the only way that you can grow your creativity is if you continue to exercise it. And I think that's why Beyonce and Kanye and so many of these other creatives and not, of of course, not only black creatives, but obviously that's the main focus of this episode. I think they do a great job of continuing to kind of use the past to kind of reinvent their futures and then just always creating something. And even if it's just for themselves, just kind of exercising that creative muscle and it's so nice that she even took that creative control by saying, hey, I don't want to have an interview. I just want to tell this story the way I want it to be told. And that in itself is creativity because she's not bound by the different questions she's asked and she's allowed to kind of go out and say whatever she wants and in a way that's going to best be able to deliver her story. And I think this is something that I hope other artists will kind of learn because I think we sometimes pigeonhole people. And I know Kanye talks about it a lot where we're like, oh, they're a rapper, they're a singer, they're a songwriter, like stay in their lane, they're a fashion designer. But people aren't just titles. And there's so many different things that encompass people. And that's what makes them creators. And it's important that we give them these outlets. And then even as a creator myself, that I'm given that kind of outlet so that I can tell stories in the way I want through my own lens. And I just think she did an amazing job of that. But of course, kind of segueing into another amazing creator, we're going to have my mentor, friend, slash sister, Buku, come on the podcast and continue that segment that we started last week with Phone a Friend, where we featured our friend Kirsten. And she's going to kind of give us a little bit of her thoughts in terms of the Beyonce September issue and the story and then how she kind of approaches creativity in her own life and in her faith. So stay tuned. Hey y'all, it's Buku, and I am super honored to be on the show today to share my thoughts on Beyonce's Vogue cover. So, what she did with her cover is the epitome of lifting as you climb. She really used this opportunity to build a longer table and not a taller fence, and gave Tyler Mitchell a seat at the table. And, you know, it's a table he probably wouldn't have gotten a chance to sit at if it weren't for her making room for him. 
And for those of you who may not know, Tyler is a 23-year-old photographer. Beyonce chose to shoot her cover, which made him the first black photographer to shoot the cover of Vogue. And Vogue has been around for 125 years, y'all. That is so wild to me. The first in 125 years. I had to say it again for emphasis because that's hella crazy to me. And, you know, when I think about it, I think, like, when are we going to get to a point in our society where we stop seeing headlines that read, first black man or woman to accomplish X, Y, and Z? Like, nah, I wanted to get to a point where hiring black photographers and creative directors isn't a first and black billionaires in every industry isn't a first and black entrepreneurs you know creatively disrupting the industry isn't a first i want black excellence to become normalized but still celebrated at the same time but yeah and um you know another reason i love this so much is because beyonce could have easily graced the cover of vogue with the well-known photographer and the hype would have still been there because she is Beyonce. But she made this less about herself and more about Tyler. She showed us that power moves aren't always about yourself. And as a matter of fact, I believe the best power moves are the moves you make to help other people move into their purpose. Tyler's life will literally never be the same. And that's because Beyonce used her opportunity to create an opportunity of a lifetime for him. So that's what I really took away from this. I believe that regardless of how big or small our platform is, we should always try to elevate others. And soft plug, soft plug, but I created a personally funded scholarship called the My Passion, My Life Scholarship. And I've been doing this for the past two years now. It's a scholarship that provides $1,000 to help a student who has accepted a summer internship with relocation costs. And I remember after the first year, my homegirl was like, you've shown me that you don't need to have Oprah money to make Oprah impact. And that really touched me. And it goes back to my point of, regardless of how big or small your platform is, always try to find a way to help put other people on. For example, if you have a dope podcast, and you know a dope person with you know a dope business feature them on the podcast because you never know who's going to be listening their next round of funding could come from one of your listeners or their story could inspire someone else to kickstart the business they were going to give up on you know and at the end of the day we should constantly be thinking of ways we can win together get to the top together because our success means nothing if we're not helping each other succeed as well. And last few points, but like, you know, I always tell people that I want my legacy to be because of Buku I can. And I believe that's where, like, you know, that's what everyone's legacy should be. I aim to live a life that doesn't just serve me. I want it to serve God first and foremost and serve the people around me. And that's why I, you know, seek to use the blessings and opportunities God has given me to be a blessing in someone else's life. That's true success in my eyes. That's where, you know, genuine fulfillment comes from. When I'm able to use the gifts God has given me to be an answer to someone else's prayer. 
And, you know, I just want to continue to turn my passion to a life to inspire others to do, you know, do the same. I want someone to see, you know, the way I am living a life of purpose rooted in Christ and doing my best to help others do the same and say, wow, you know, she's doing it. I can do it, too. I want to be the personification of possibility for someone so they can go on and be the personification of possibility for someone else. It, you know, it really becomes a domino effect. And that's how I believe like you can create a lineage of greatness, you know, amongst your peers, amongst the people you meet in your day to day. Let's, you know, build that foundation of greatness by helping, you know, each other move into our purpose. So, yeah, that is my two cents. And I hope you guys were really able to take something away from it. But again, thank you so, so much for having me on the show and crossing my fingers. I hope it's not the last time I make an appearance. You guys are killing it. Thank you so much to Buku for tuning in to really talk about her creative vision and, of course, talk about one of her idols, Beyonce, and what she thought about the September issue. Buku, you're our girl, and I'm so excited to have you be a part of this. Now, moving on to Rihanna's cover. Jasmine, why don't you take us away? Yes. Um, so just to reiterate the body positivity um, category that we're talking about right now, I love that Rihanna was super open and apparent about the fact that her body has fluctuated over the years. You know, she's a woman that, you know, her, her life is moving and she's changing and she's growing as an adult as well. And, you know, she reiterates that, like, she accepts her body for however it looks that day. You know, she dresses for her body, you know, however it looks at feels like some days it's oversized, some days it's body con, some days it's, you know, it's this or it's that. And I think that's something, and I think that's really important for Rihanna to reiterate, you know, that she really just accepts her body for how it looks that day. And, you know, it, 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 your body's always changing, you know, even, even us as fans have noticed in the tabloids, like she's gotten so much scrutiny for, you know, she's like thick now and her body's always evolving. You know, she doesn't look the same that she used to, but that's okay. That's the, that's the part of being a woman is your body changes, you grow and your hips grow and your thighs grow and it's fine. And sometimes you lose it and sometimes you gain it again. And it's just, it's just about accommodating your wardrobe and dressing yourself for how you look and how you feel that day. Um, and so, you know, shout out to Rihanna for reiterating that, that, that with her fans. You know, we know her as bad bitch Riri, always confident in how she looks and, and is always, you know, self-assured with herself that, um, you know, she can pull off whatever. And she's beautiful and she's a mogul and a powerhouse and her body does not define her success and it doesn't define who she is you know, in the pop culture world. And I think that's something that we need to apply to ourselves is that our physical appearance is not everything. Um, you know, it's about, it's about how you present yourself, the work that you deliver, you know, th like your legacy and your, your mark on this world is not going to be determined by how your physical appearance looks. Um, also, another takeaway from this, from her um, issue with British Vogue, so as you guys know, my love life is a mess. Like it is, <laughs> if you guys listen to this podcast, if you're an avid listener, you know, my love life is a wreck. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm like, girl, we've got to get it together. But I think I love that the main dating advice that she gives in this um, issue is, you know, she says, and we quote, 
I think a lot of people meet people and then they're dating the idea of what the person could become and that person never shows up and then they're just mad and disappointed. A person can always get better, they can always get worse, but you've got to be fine with what you met them as. And I think that's so important because it's very true. Um, I know like for myself in the dating culture that I'm submerged in and even like from the relationships that I've witnessed around me, whether they're my own or, you know, the, like the people that are close to me is you meet someone and you, you, and you see the potential that they have, you see what they could be. And I think that, you know, you're always holding them to that standard of what they could be. And you, you just have this hope and this will and this wish that they'll grow into that person. But like what people don't understand, or I think what people forget about the reality of life is, you know, life hits you at all different kinds of aspects and lots of stuff comes and comes and goes whether you expect it to or not and people don't always grow into what they should be you know like life may hit that person differently and they may take a complete 180 different direction than you expected and I don't think and I also for me like personally I I genuinely feel like if you you can't sit there and claim that you love somebody and that you accept them for who they are if you have this hope that they're going to change you know, because it's not snaps. Yeah, right. Like I just there's just I don't know. I I feel like there's some kind of it's you can't you cannot say that you love somebody for who they are if you if you love them for the hope of what they're going to be. Because one, there is no guarantee that they're going to be that person. And two, like that's not loving someone fully. That's not loving someone for who they are. And yes, like right now there's a stigma that unconditional love is very toxic. Um, but it's, and, and it it is in its own sense, you know, that's an argument for a different episode, but like, if you're going to sit there and proclaim unconditional love and you're going, that's what you're going to voice for. And that's what you're going to advocate. You have to accept a person fully for who they are at that moment. And, um, also too, it's, I love that Rihanna, like it's there, you know, she was dating this like billionaire heir to, um, I, I don't know much about her like love life because I know she's actually very private about it too. But you know she she eventually broke up with him. It was a good relationship, but she just got tired of him. And you know in the media she's always reiterating like I'm never looking for a man. You know I'm I'm focusing on my career. I'm focusing on my businesses. And I think that's something that is also a very important takeaway is. Um, I think people have this idea of love and and as like romantic relationships as you're looking for a half. And if you're in my issue, and I, and I know that a common, a, a common trend that I've noticed is if you're always seeking another half and you, and you're not fulfilled within yourself, that can actually put you in a really dangerous, toxic position because a lot of, a lot of like toxic, manipulative people sense that weakness and they sense that emptiness in you. And that's where you can be taken advantage of. That's where, you know, turmoil can happen in relationships is you you have this missing piece of you 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 have this you have this hole that needs to be fulfilled and you know you need someone else to come in with it but you know you don't know who you could be running into and who's going to take advantage of that and I think it's I know like for Toby and I it's so important for us um when yeah I was waiting for you to bring this up I was like I feel like I'm not good I can't see her face I don't know when I'm gonna be able to cut in but I know she's gonna say it so I'm gonna sit back no and like Tobes like we always say this like um, it's important it's important that first within yourself that you are fulfilled and you are whole as one because because relationships whether they're romantic platonic whatever you are not 
one unit you are two coming together as a partnership you know if one of you reiterating that goes for friends too as jasmine said there are so many girls we see day to day and even i used to do this when i was younger it's like you find things that you're missing in yourself and other people and then it allows you to become too dependent on them it's like that goes for your friends it goes for your homies it goes for boyfriends girlfriends anything it's like you cannot replace or make up for traits that you just haven't grown into yet and find them in someone else because you cannot depend on other people the way that you can depend on yourself right and also like you know because you never know people love to switch up on you and so what happens you know when when that relationship goes to turmoil and then you're missing a you're missing a part of you and that's not how it should be you know I, I I'm a genuine advocate that like you should always seek relationships um, you should always seek relationships in your life, no matter wh- what they are as, as you as like, what can I bring to your life? And what can I bring to the table? Not, not like, what can you fulfill for me, if that makes sense? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, I just have seen a lot of relationships in my life, you know, go to turmoil, not even within my own, but just like the people around me. And, and, I, and I've seen how it affects people when they're like, oh, I lost my other half and like I lost and it's like, girl, this is the thing, okay, like this is a partnership. We are two because the thing is, if one of you dies, is the other one going to die too? Like, no. That's no. how that goes, you know? One plus one is two. There's no half plus half equals one. None of that. And I think that's the issue. That is the issue. Exactly. And so I, I love that Rihanna is just so open and apparent about, you know, like she is she is a bad bitch Riri. She is a powerhouse and a mogul on her own. You know, she, no, whether or not she's with a man does not define her success. You know, she's no longer with this guy that she was dating. And, you know, Fenty is still popping off the charts. She's probably, she's probably writing dope music right now that we are, you know, long awaiting for. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, det- it doesn't deteriorate anything from her career. It doesn't take away anything from her career, her no longer being with this guy. And I think that's so important for it's important for everyone not just women you know to to really make sure that you find that fulfillment within yourself first because you don't want to put yourself in a vulnerable position with someone you know that could that could be toxic and manipulative that could take advantage of you over you know for oh I just we just we just can't you know reiterate healthy relationships enough and like you have to be complete and whole within yourself first and Mm -hmm. oh yes agreed but before this spirals out of control but (laughs) much needed control we're gonna switch gears and talk about zendaya september issue i love zendaya point blank i just think this girl does an amazing job of representing our community and i think she's just taken the word woke to a completely new level but in terms of some new things that she kind of talked about in her own um cover story per se two things that really stood out to me had to do with her talking about her being a role model and then her career in general. So obviously we've seen like the iconic Disney spirals, you might say over the years of where kids end up on Disney channel and then they feel like they're pressured into becoming some sort of role model. And then it makes them kind of spiral off the deep end and then eventually they gain their footing. And then sometimes they go back to say, well, I blame it on all the pressure I had as a kid. But Zendaya is one of the few Disney stars to make it successfully out of the Disney machine completely unscathed. And I think it has a lot to do with her mindset. And I think that is her mindset that's going to completely 
continues to take her career to new heights. And she kind of had the idea that you can't really bite the hand that feeds you. And I think that's something that's super important. I think it's something that a lot of celebrities and even some athletes, musicians, they kind of go through because they kind of feel, and even people in every day-to-day lives kind of feel like they they do tend to kind of bite the hand that fed them because they kind of blame it for any issues that have come. But with Zendaya, she was on a show where she was kind of seen as the lesser half, but she didn't let that get to her. And she continued to kind of be diligent to her work and do the best that she could in her role. And then it led her to being an executive executive producer on her own show, her very last Disney show. And then she left and then... It was like the end of her Disney career, et cetera. And she kind of just completely smoothly transitioned into her career now as like a grown-up adult at, um, actress. And, you know, we saw her take on ginormous roles like in Spider-Man Homecoming and then in The Greatest Showman. And she talked about in her cover story how she would try out for white roles because she didn't want to be boxed into a certain box. And she didn't want people to think that you can just say, I want this certain type of actress and that's the only person that I'm going to have. She wants, she wanted to instead kind of open the conversation and do it in such a way that says, Hey, like, I'm not going to push this on you, but these are the other types of women out here. And these are the other types of actresses that can f- fulfill these roles. And here she was taking on roles that hundred percent fit that sort of box. And then also I think she does a good job of just, embodying this idea of being a role model because I think it's hard for some people to kind of live up to that expectation and they kind of get nervous because it is a huge responsibility when people call you a role model I think the issue is people take that as I can't mess up but she takes that more as I'm going to mess up but then it's the way that I'm going to handle myself that's going to teach the people that look up to me how to kind of go about their lives and she takes it extremely seriously and she's very aware of her role and her privilege and she takes it to heart and makes sure that she educates her followers and her fans about it. And I think that's something that is extremely commendable, especially in the society we live in today. And I talked a little bit about her career and how she kind of has to carry herself a different way. But something that stood out to me that I think a lot of women of color can relate to is she knew from a very early age that she couldn't get away with the same things that a lot of her white peers can get away with. And I know that me and you talk about this, Jasmine, and even with Sophie, and even I, it's something that has been ingrained in my head since I was a young kid. It's like, I have to work that much harder and I have to present myself that much better because due to my skin color, people are going to automatically view me a certain way. And Zendaya is someone that is half black, half white, And she is someone that has seen both sides and she knows, hey, like I have to present myself a certain way or else they're going to typecast every single person who comes who looks like me or people who come from similar backgrounds from me. And I'm going to mess it up for everyone. And I think that is a huge weight to carry on your back. But I think that she doesn't look at it that way and she carries herself very gracefully. And the last thing I want to touch on with her is that uh, she is one of the few biracial actresses who really kind of flipped the switch on the conversation and was very open about it because in the past I know Sophie talked about it a little bit in a few episodes prior about how she thinks that the beauty standard is changing and I kind of bit back like "Mm, not really quite sure you know sure maybe 
black beauty in some aspects is starting to get accepted a little bit more but i think there is still a common trend of people liking black features on white women or people of fair skin tones and zendaya comes as a biracial woman and is like hey yeah sure i'm getting these covers and when people think of like black actresses they think of me and they put me on this pedestal but i have privilege because i'm fair skin and i'm biracial it's like what about all of my dark skin sisters out here and it's just something that people don't do very often and i think a lot of biracial women and influencers in high places sometimes feel the pressure to represent the black community very well but then also they're like kind of torn because they're not only black they're white but because they have darker skin tone people always kind of see them as black but Zendaya very much is I am black and I am white and I'm aware of that privilege that it gives me but I am not the only type of black woman out there and I'm not only I shouldn't be considered this beautiful black woman because I'm fair skinned like that is still a form of racism and I think that's a new conversation that's going to start getting picked up and it's something that's going to be brought up in the near days to come because I think it's something that's extremely important and does seem to get touched on it's uncomfortable and it's touchy for some people to talk about you know that privilege that does come with being fair skinned but now since the floor is open and we're having so many conversations I think that now's a great time to kind of touch on these but We've touched on so many things from all these amazing covers. Jasmine, do you have any other last-minute thoughts? Um, I know with Zendaya, I I mean, you hit all the good points. Like she, how she meant, like she. I love that she's so aware of the fact. You know, she's like, I am. She's like in the media. I'm considered beautiful for a black girl, but I'm mm-hmm. not full black. You know, and she's like I like there are there's all different kinds of ranges and like all different other kind of skin tones that we need that we need to give the same limelight and same respect and appreciation that that she does for you know people do for her and I and I know in this Mm -hmm. interview she mentioned about when when that I don't was it the Met Gala where she wore Vivian Westwood and, and like had um no it wasn't the Met Gala it was some award show though when that was back when Juliana Rancic yeah. still worked for E yeah, yeah there was the they gave her that comment about the hair yeah and and like honestly I I remember that look and I loved Same. it I loved I loved that look and like because like I know for me like I I love the blend of like I love the blend of um you know like posh high fashion and also adding like adding like a, a not, adding like like an urban cultural twist to it like I really I remember seeing that look and I did not see anything wrong with it and then like hearing the remarks about it afterwards I was like what the fuck and then also, it was about her hair yes, yeah they yes. made a joke about um hair and that was just like completely stereotyping and just inappropriate right and yeah and I and I think um and, and I'm and I'm really glad like that was one of like kind of not not triggers per se but I love but I, I appreciate that that was like one of like her segues into the pivotal moment yes yes uh, what this like it was a pivotal moment in her career where she was like okay like it's time to change the standard of beauty like that is a load of bullshit because I remember looking at that look and I loved everything about it I did not see anything wrong with it and then it was the remarks made after that I was like okay I'm like you guys didn't have to take it this deep like you didn't have to do that you know um but yeah that that's all I really have to say left. I, I mean, like you said, I think I think we touched on a lot of really good points with all the issues and all the covers. Like, I'm, you know, shout out to the month of September again with just the importance of it. And, like, 
the trends that are coming um, that are coming forward in the fashion industry and then also taking such a pivotal moment and like time right now in fashion is the month of September and being able to use you know these these black iconic pinnacles of you know of pop culture and telling their stories and reiterating diversity and reiterating the standard of beauty and like how it's time to it's time to change it you know it's time it's time to add add different looks add different people you know because I know it's really important like I know for me like growing up like I'm Asian American like I I've never seen I don't I don't see I've never seen anyone ever that looks like me in the media and so I think it's important that we have that diversity in the media because it's important for everyone to see a version of themselves because there's so many of us we need representation everywhere every industry like we need people who look like us in fashion and music and media and stem everywhere anywhere where people are you need representation so you can know hey i'm there's people like me doing this or you can go and be that person and i know that each and every one of us are going to be able to be that person in our respective industries but before we talk about our weekly playlist again shout out to kanye and Issa ray and tracy ellis ross who also grace magazine covers very gracefully and i'm so happy and excited for the month of september this pinnacle moment in fashion editorial history jasmine what have you been listening to this week okay um so have again just you know i've been very distracted with like astroworld still like the tour and Drake's tour, so I haven't been listening to very much new music except for like you know Nicki's album, obviously. But Quavo dropped a single, Lamb Talk. And fun fact about me if you guys don't know, my dream car, like ever since I was a little girl, ever since I used to watch Pit My Ride, you know, like I wasn't supposed to be watching MTV at seven years old, but I was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so ever since Pit My Ride with Exhibit, like my dream car has always been a Lamborghini, preferably now. A Lamborghini, a Huracan, Performante, or an Aventador. So it's my dream car. And so this, like, the music video and, like, the song, A Lamb Talk, was just all, you know, just Quavo basking in his money, basking in his success and in his riches. His Lambo, all, all the videos of all the fucking Lambos. And so I loved it. And, of course, you know, after, after such an iconic performance at the Drake concert, I have to give love you know, to, to anyone, anyone that comes from that show, especially, you know, Migos, like, I know, I know, like, Takeoff and Offset are always working on their own projects as well, but, like, Quavo's one of, like, Quavo's always, you know, releasing new shit, he's always, you know, on new features, always releasing new singles, Lamb Talk is a banger, and, you know, it just, again, I'm a little biased because I fucking love Lambos. <laughs> what about <laughs> Toes? Well, for me, I've very much been listening to a few pop indie bops, kind of returning to my indie roots i very much like this new song called pilot with the fear of heights by felicity i know it's a long title but i encourage you to look it up on spotify or on our weekly vacay soundtrack very cute instrumental cute melody and harmony and then the song love you like that by dagny i'm a huge fan of dagny i love people who merge like pop r&b edm indie everything together you know, I love the blending of genres. Another good song to kind of cap off the summer and kind of segue into these new fall artists and songs that are going to be coming out. But yeah, that's about it. And make sure that you guys tune in to whatever episode gets posted next week. But we have some cool events coming up with, of course, the VMAs on Monday. So I'm sure tons of 
dope performances and stuff are to come. And then obviously Jasmine Sofu hopefully be touching on Sweetener and then also Young Thug's album. But yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure that you follow us on our social media and that you keep up with the different episodes that we post weekly. And also make sure to tune in wherever on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play Podcasts, and to rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, thank you so much, guys. And um, just to reiterate, my my Instagram handle is Jasmine, K-H-O-U. Toby is Princess Toby G. And then how do you say soaps? It's like soap woff woof Yeah, yeah. soap woff soap woff yeah. Um, but yes, find us on social media. Check out our website, theweeklyvacay.strikingly.com. Thank you so much for listening. As always, um, we miss you, Soph. Uh, she'll be back next week. You know, she's taking care of business, doing mogul things. And so the show must go on. But as always, thank you for listening, guys. I'm Jasmine. I'm Toby. And you've been listening to so- The Weekly Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a little that bit buzzy. So- but yeah. The Weekly Bacon. Okay, see you guys. Bye.